0: Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Steve Jobs, but made in China. Now, let's dim the
1: lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Bad Black News Brunch Podcast. Digesting crappy news with crepes and fruit welcome everyone to the to the pestle i am wes and i am todd and we're filmmakers writers actors we bring all kinds of uh behind the scenes knowledge and try to use that to grow our own uh knowledge base by dissecting films and seeing what we see um it's it's interesting you know being an artist it's always a uh one step away from failure and fraud, so to speak. That's how you feel so, so often, you know, calling yourself an artist or, uh, try pursuing this thing. You just feel fake, uh, that I'm not really what I'm saying I am. Um, but you are like, you don't have to be a millionaire in order to say, you know, you're a singer. All you have to do is do you sing? Have you ever been paid for singer? Now you're a professional singer. Uh, I remember the first time I heard that lesson, a buddy of mine, uh, was a singer and, He he loved singing and we grew up and he was just singing all the time and he got paid like a hundred bucks to go uh, sing on a track for a producer friend of mine, Big Rich. Um, Shout out Oreo. And he was saying, uh, yeah, I'm not a professional. He's like, you you know, here's your hundred dollars. Have you ever been paid to sing? He's like, "Uh, well, yeah, well, then you're a professional go, go do it. You know? And I just love that attitude. It's like, you don't, you don't need the big mansion to say you're a professional at whatever it is you're doing. Um, you just need, uh, to one, be doing it, you know? Um, and if you've gotten paid, that certainly qualifies. And, uh, even if you haven't gotten paid, it doesn't mean you're not what you say you are. Uh, it's, it's, it's all about your, your attitude and, you know, do you want to do this? Well then congratulations. You are, <laughs> you're not a fake. <laughs> How do you feel about uh, the title
0: artist and just, I don't know, owning it? The it, it is forever um, going to be if you're if you're an artist, you're ev- forever going to feel the imposter syndrome. I mean, I think even e- maybe even more so the more successful you are, you know, maybe when you get to a certain level, then you're like, OK, OK, I'm maybe I'm pretty good, you know, but but I think a lot of people or feel that way. I know, I know I do, but then I try to remind myself of like what art actually is. And if, if you really, if you really, you know, look at art or what it is, no matter what medium, then I I think you can kind of get past the imposter syndrome and, you know, remind yourself what profession, the word professional actually means. Right. So, so like, you know, you can be professional without being a professional, you know, it's an act and it's a, it's a title. Um, So if you're not paid yet, act like you're getting paid, Mm -hmm. right? Just act like it because eventually it will come, you know, Uh, if you don't stop, if you don't quit, eventually it will come. And the same goes for, you know, the feeling of, of imposter syndrome. I mean, I've been making music almost my entire life and I still feel like anytime, you know, I play, I would play in front of someone or I would let somebody hear a song for the first time, I would make all of these excuses as to why it's not, you know, as good as Taylor Swift's new mm-hmm. record or, or, you know, whatever. Insert other artist name here. <laughs> and then I stopped doing that because, because nine times out of 10 and 9.99 times out of 10, the person listening doesn't hear what you're hearing. they're They're hearing that for the first time. And so, or see what they're, what you're seeing, you know, you're seeing it from the point of view of, of I, I, I birthed this, there was nothing. And then there is something. And so you see all of the things that you want to be perfect or better or more accurately displaying what you, what you, you know, wanted it to be when you started, but they're not seeing that they're wondering, how does this make me feel? First time you watch a film, you get a feeling you're not looking necessarily at the, at the cinematography you're not looking at the, you know, saying, oh, you know, why did he tilt his head like that? You're just ab- absorbing, right? At first. In fact, so to to uproot your audience's ability to discover their own feelings by inserting yours subverts that. And so I would, ju- I would just say, like I said before, if you're not a prof- paid professional, act like it, meaning- do not make any excuses for your art. If you are, if you are at a place where you're willing to let someone hear the song or see the film or whatever, then it is ninety percent there, right? It's just that added ten percent that's bugging you, that will always bug you um, if you don't have. But it, it's okay because you're at a place where you're uh, you sh- you should be okay with letting letting it out there and and letting your audience feel what they need to feel or what they're what they're going to feel. And then you can take in feedback and you can make changes if you want or not. Right. And, and then, and then move forward. And the other thing is that is just never stop creating because, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, you know, at some point you have to say, this is done or this is, I'm done with this. You know, I've, I've taken this as far as I, as I can take it or want to take it. But that doesn't mean that you're done creating. You move on to the next thing. And you take what you learned in the thing that you made and you turn it into something else. And that might feel daunting. It might feel like, Oh, maybe I wasted my time making that thing before because I put all my eggs in that basket. But no, you didn't. Hmm. It's the same thing. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so when you, when you finish a thing, when you finish a mile, mile 15, you go to mile 16, you don't stop. You know what I mean? You get some, okay. You slow down, you get some water, And then you keep going and you make the next thing you run the next mile. And that it's the, it's that journey, right? It's that journey of, do you love that journey? You know, that's one of the reasons why Kobe Bryant was the greatest of all time. It's like, he he loved the process. He loved the waking up at three o'clock in the morning, going to work out before everybody else. And so he's doing his second workout by the time they're doing their first, you know, he loved that. And so that's what made him great. It wasn't because he just practiced, it's not. The, it's not because he practiced. It's because he loved practicing. So you got to just love practicing. So anyway, I could be. A, I could go on a yeah. tirade about this forever. I love. I love talking about that stuff.
1: I love that. I mean, one thing you know, I, I want to even double down on that you were talking about about comparing yourself, whatever, to Taylor Swift or whoever you're studying or admiring or uh, you know digesting lately. I I love because. It's, it's, it's easy to look at someone and take inspiration. And I think we should be doing that. And even if you don't want to be doing that, you can't help it because, uh, we're, we're human beings, we're social creatures. We just absorb the things that, uh, we're, we're putting in front of ourselves. Right. And so you can't really prevent that to a, to a large extent. But what I, what I love though, is you have to do that and, throw it away at the same time, uh, be able to look at what someone's doing and say, Oh man, I see what they're doing that I'm not, but that's not a bad thing. Yes. This is what makes my stuff, my stuff. And it's so easy to just want to emulate and, and work out your own kinks through someone else's, you know, aesthetic or, uh, whatever it is that they got going on. Uh, and I, what I, one of the, man, I love Anton uh, Fuqua. he, is just an incredible filmmaker that is his own person. I think for him, it would have been easy to look at John Singleton or the Hughes brothers, um, or Gina Prince by the wood. Like it would have been easy to look at all his contemporaries and say, Oh, here's what they're doing with their career. And, uh, what am I doing with mine? Instead? I feel like he's looking at, uh, you know, Ridley Scott and, uh, everyone and just saying, what do I want to do? I don't care. You know what people think I should be doing. Uh, you know, I'm going to make training day and you know what, then I'm going to go make King Arthur. And he's like, you're a, you're a black young director. Like, what are you doing? Making a a fantasy (laughs) medieval film? He's like, man, this is just what I enjoy. I like this story. I like these characters and I don't care if it's a bunch of white bread. Like I just want to make this story and that's good enough for me. Um, and it should be good enough for you. I love his career. I love everything he's been doing because it's all too easy to get sucked up into saying, okay, this is what I think other people are doing and here's how I fit into that. It doesn't matter. Make your stuff, your stuff. This is what you are. And the more that fine study and learn, but embrace the things that you like, and that's ultimately going to be more defining of your career instead of, uh, oh, you fit in with everyone. Why are you trying to fit in with everyone? What makes that special? Nothing. Make it you. And I still love that thing you said, you know, I don't know, 20 episodes ago about, you know, if, if you ever feel like something um, is missing something, make it more you. Don't try to figure out what's wrong. Just just make it more specifically you. And and that's how you stand apart. Um, you don't stand apart by seeing how, you know, how can I look more, quote unquote, professional? It's like, that doesn't matter. You know, Billie Eilish, go record in your closet. Who cares? Uh, it, this is what's going to make you stand out is loving what you do. And that's been something uh, I'll certainly talk about at the end of this episode when we get into our, our recos. But over the last few months, I've been wrestling with this the thought of here's what everyone else is doing and my stuff doesn't look like theirs. And I like that a lot. And I don't know if I'm just dumb (laughs) or if it's just, this is me rebelling. Um, I feel like we need a new, uh, French new wave mumble core, uh, movement because everyone is just doing the same bullshit. And it's so exhausting to me to watch. Um, and, and I think we haven't learned our lesson yet, but I'll dive into that later. Uh, with that what are we diving into today
0: (laughs) yeah uh, i'm glad you will because i've got more to say about that too (laughs) today we are uh we are diving into training day uh when when did this come out 2001 2001 yeah training Day, which is streaming on hbo so if you haven't seen that film please go watch it because we're going to spoil a bunch of stuff for sure we'll look at uh A
1: few things at least. Uh, I'll touch on some of the cinematography, uh, the horizon line. Uh, We'll look at some of the story and writing. Uh, I I like the story beats in this. Uh, So just from an outline perspective, I think this is a really easy film to look at and see how they got to where they are. Um, So we'll look at all that and other such stuff and things and stuff.
0: And a quick synopsis of the film. A rookie cop spends his first day as a Los Angeles narcotics officer with a rogue detective who isn't what he appears to be directed by Antoine Fuqua, uh, written by David Ayer, cinematography by Mauro Fiore, featuring Denzel Washington as Alonzo, Ethan Hawke as Jake, Scott Glenn as Roger, Eva Mendez as Sarah, and Cliff Curtis as Smiley. Justifiable homicide in the line to do okay?
2: Now, what happened was... What happened was murder and armed robbery. Oh, wait, we we had badges, so it's different? Son, can't open your eyes. Can't you see... Huh? That man was your friend, and you killed him (laughs) like a fly. (laughs) Come on, my friend, huh? Tell me why. Because he knows my first name? Son, this is the game. I'm playing his ass. That's my job. That's your job. Roger sold dope to kids. The world is a better place without him. Hey, this man was the biggest major violator in Los Angeles. I watched that cocksucker operate with impunity for over ten years, and now I got it. The shit's chess; it ain't checkers. What you think we're gonna do? We're gonna roll up in a black and white, huh? Slap the cuffs on him. You're under arrest. That's a high roller, dog. take the money i I already told you i'm not gonna take that i'm not gonna take that okay don't just burn it barbecue it fish fry it i don't give a fuck but the boys will feel better fuck their feelings jake you're not making them feel like you're part of the team the team you guys are fucking insane all right i'll go back to the valley i'll cut parking tickets you know It it can't be like this It is this way man I'm sorry I exposed you to it But it is It's ugly But it's necessary I became a cop To put away drug dealers The poisoners The criminals Not to be one You sound just like me And I know what you're going through I know what you're feeling You're scared I'm not scared Yes you are You're terrified Everybody goes through that The first time I went through it The sooner You can match what's in your head what's going on in the real world the better you're going to feel in this business you got to have a little dirt on you for anybody to trust you and when all this is behind you there's going to be a whole other world that opens up for you I walk a higher path son I can give you the keys to all the doors what are you talking about? my guy is a pretty But they're not leaders, they're clowns. You're a leader. You want my job, you got it. You want to lock up poisonous, this is the best place to do it. But you gotta just, you know, take your time. You make detective, you play the game, you grow wise, and then you can change things. But you gotta change them from the inside, son. Let's go downtown to the station. You talk to my guy, Stan. And we'll walk you through what you got to say to the DA guys.
1: Okay. I love watching. Ethan Hawke's heart break right there as he's getting the rundown. It's so cool. You don't really get to see a lot of heartbreaks that aren't romantic. And to watch this guy's dreams uh, and and sense of reality, sense of self start to just erode right there mm-hmm. as he's getting the rundown. He's like, because I think up until that scene, it felt like the first time watching this, you don't know if there's a big twist of this is all an act, this is all a game as a part of your training because so many movies up ar- around this era were all about that, right? Like the big third act reveal of everything you saw was a was a ruse. Uh, and here we're finding out like, no, no, this is this is it. this is a game. Um, and it's the reality's kind of crumbling around them, and I love watching that. But this thing is 21 years old. It's old enough to drink. It could take us out and buy a round. <laughs>
0: Does it hold up? Oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> I could I could watch this movie back to back. I, I could restart it right when it ended. And, okay, this, I I, I feel like, like, movies in general, there's so many things that can take you out of it. Right. There's so many things where you're like, oh, I see that. I see that. I see that. And you're not even try- you're not even looking, but it just like jumps out at you. Right. Maybe it's like a, you know, like a really weird edit, you know, just for the sake of being artsy or or that wasn't a good idea. Or maybe it's a, a line that's delivered kind of like lackadaisically, or maybe maybe it's a, you know, some lighting or something. But there is nothing there is nothing in this film that takes you out of it. Every single word, every, every delivery, every, every camera movement, every every single, all the sounds, just everything just immerses you in it. Like that's a, and that scene is a great example because up until that point, there was no whispering, Mm. you know, there wasn't, that was like the quietest moment of the entire film. What you just showed, everything else was like, was you know screeching tires and and yelling and guns you know being drawn and and you know over the top music because he's high and just you know it, you know crazy stuff it all just happened you know like very loudly and that moment was was the, really the deciding moment of the film which was which was what what is this film going to end up being right and so it it could have turned into something where there's an explanation, you know, for what's happening. And maybe it turns into like, no, this is, this is real tra- really training and, and whatever. You have no idea what's going to happen. And so Denzel is not just talking to Ethan. He's talking to us. He's convincing us. So I imagine, you know, you know, cause Antoine wrote this, right? Uh, David Ayer. Yeah. David Ayer wrote this, right. Okay. I imagine him sitting down and thinking, okay, how do I convince the audience how does Denzel convince the audience that or or his character convince the audience to go along with this? He's not mm. trying to convince Ethan's character, Jake. He's trying to convince us um, because up until now, we've been like, because look, it's Denzel Washington. You want to love him. You want to be with him. And he's taking us for a ride. Ethan is just the conduit, right? He's taking us for a ride. We're in the passenger seat. And then up until him shooting that guy, we're still with him. And then he shoots that guy and you're like, no, come on, Ethan. And so when Ethan takes the, the shotgun from him in the house and aims it at him, he's like, this is a, you've pointed a gun at me twice. Now this will not do it a third time. You're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got it, Ethan. Good job. And so you're behind Ethan and you're with Ethan then. So all of a sudden there's this shift of, of I'm with Denzel's character. Now I'm with Ethan's character. I'm with, with Jake as a viewer. And so that moment has to get quiet because we've never we haven't been quiet the entire movie. So they say in in, when you're if you're like an elementary school teacher or just a teacher in general, the best way to get people to listen to you is to whisper, because then they have to be quiet to hear you. And so so that's exactly what they do here. They bring everything down, and the way that Denzel speaks is so poignant, his Ts, his Ps, that you cannot you cannot help but latch on to them because of course they're delivered effortlessly and perfectly. But the way that he speaks is so poignant that you just want to believe what he's saying. And so, and all he doesn't need to get, he doesn't need to get us to the, to the station. He just needs to get us to the next stop, right? He needs Ethan to stay in the car. He needs us to stay in the car with him. It's just such a great, such a great scene that defines the entire movie for me. So it's a great, choice film is excellent I mean it is a masterclass in acting and writing and storytelling bro this is all one day and it feels like a month you know you're like oh my god this is the longest day of <laughs> I-, I can't imagine being Jake and then I feel like the the ending is is very important um, I read that the ending was going to be something else. And Denzel actually made the suggestion to no, the ending needs to be violent. It was just going to be very, you know, like Jake puts the money on, on the bed or something. And he walks out something like uh, something like that. And Denzel said, no, 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 this needs to be more aggressive and violent. And so he made that suggestion. So anyway, I absolutely loved it, endured it, uh, enjoyed it. Um, and could watch it again tomorrow. It's, it's one of my favorite Ethan Hawke films because mm-hmm. I feel like it asked a lot of him and that scene is a great example of you. You said it, the heartbreak of him realizing, Oh shit. Like my whole life has led, has been a facade is just led to this thing that I did not know was as broken as it is. And now I've just learned it. What do you, what do you think?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, same, obviously it holds up uh, because of all the reasons you're talking about the 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 performances, God, Ethan and, and Denzel together, I don't know if they've done anything else together, but I, you know, that's, that's an easy buy, you know, if that's, if that's on the table, um, they're just so good playing off each other and, and Ethan has this great doe-eyed look to him and it's so fun to see Denzel play kind of against his type, which is he's always a leading man and and a positive role uh, and getting to see him be more complicated. You know, it's a little easy to say that, Oh, he's just a, he's just a bad guy. Uh, But he's not just a bad guy. He's, he is a guy who turned bad and we get to see little reflections of that through Ethan Hawke's performance uh, because Jake is this guy that he used to be. And now he's kind of being confronted with his own ideals. Um, and as much as he's trying to convince Jake, and as you said, as much as he's trying to convince the audience, uh, he's also sitting there convincing himself that what he's doing is the way it's done. And that's the line that he was fed. And now he's feeding it to someone else. Like there's just a world of nuance that uh that is in the writing it's it's in the directing and it's sure as hell is in the performances and i love yeah i mean denzel anything he does he's just for me my favorite actor because he's so gripping to watch he's so compelling like any scene uh, he's in, you you just can't help but just lean in and say, "What's he gonna say? What's he gonna do?" Even if even if he's not talking, right? You just you just lean in and and watch what he's doing. And he's someone I could spend you know years studying, and to some extent I have. Uh, and I just you just can't replicate it. You you have to appreciate that's just innate in him. But it's not like it's, it's not just him. It's, it is performance. It is acting. It is skill and technique. Um, you can't just say, Oh, it's just Denzel being Denzel. And that's probably like 60% true, but the other 40% that's talent. That's yeah. him working on his craft and understanding when the camera's on you, when I have a line, how do I milk this line? And I, I brought this up to a, an acting teacher when I was uh, new in acting still. And I was like, man, what is Denzel doing? Like, uh, <laughs> I, I just, I, I watch him and I don't understand it. And this was 15 years ago, you know, and he's gone on to do like Macbeth, and he's just, he's just amazing. And, uh, and my teacher was like, yeah, hey, I get it. Like, you see him and he's just chewing on every line, and he does it in a way that doesn't feel like he's just chewing up uh, at screen time. Um, and that was all, that was all he could give me. It was like, I don't know, man. Uh, and, yeah. and just hearing my, my teacher, they'll say chewing on it. And I was like, that's interesting.
0: That's a good uh, way. You, right. It,
1: yeah. And it's and watching him, it's like a word isn't just a word. It's an idea. And, um, and sometimes, you know, his, this is a classic, if you're an actor, throw erase all your punctuation. Like as a writer, when I'm writing my scenes, some, I I'm trying to get away from this, but I'm, I'm pretty beholden to English syntax. Um, and so sometimes I might put a comma that doesn't mean pause. Um, and as an actor, you can't know if the script is telling you a pause or not, you just have to memorize words and let words be words. And, and the intention
0: comes through the scene. Sometimes Man, can, can I interrupt you? Because that is such, I'm so glad you you said that. That is, and I'm so glad that you do that. That is great because that you're right. You're right. That does tell an actor with there's a comma, there's a pause, even though, or there's a change of some, some kind, even whether it's a pause or not, definitely with a period. And that doesn't necessarily have to be that way. When you're, when you're saying the lines or whatever. I mean, even these scripts that we do, you know, that we're doing voiceover or something. You got to kind of ignore that kind of stuff. So that's interesting that you're you, when you're writing, you're you're trying to, like, get that out of your writing now that I've never seen a, a, a script like that. That would be great to read.
1: Yeah, I I really try. And sometimes I I just can't help myself. And I put a, a comma after someone's name. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Uh, but I, I, I do try now to uh, be more intentional about. I'm creating rhythm and pace and I've always had some of that in there, but it's, I will say I just haven't been very consistent about when or why I do some of those things all the time. Unless I know this character has a very specific heavy speech pattern that I want to make sure reads on the page. And ideally what you write has a rhythm to it instinctually. And I think a lot of my writing's always been that, but even with that, sometimes I just can't help it. Like the sentence ended here, here's a period. And but I try to have lots of run-on sentences. But regardless, that you have to ignore that no matter what, if the writer did or didn't have an intention, doesn't matter as an actor. You have to throw it all away because uh, at the end of the day, you're gonna be on scene, uh, on set, performing a scene with someone else. You know, most acting is with other people in the room that you're acting against, and you have to just be present and say, My intention comes through the context of the scene itself paired with whatever my actors around me are doing sometimes you'll overlap each other sometimes you'll need to interrupt someone uh that means sometimes their 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 line might you know have five words but the intention of the scene is that it's uh there's a lot of conflict and that maybe they only get two words out because what your character has to say cannot wait And now you have to uh, play into that. And there's so much context that, you know, it's hard to uh, convey because maybe the director that you're working with wants very clean dialogue. Maybe he doesn't want you making those decisions. Maybe he wants Mm. the editor to make those decisions. And so maybe contextually, like the the director isn't about that. He's not about that life. I am. I like messiness. I like people talking over each other. Uh, I'm a good editor. I'll figure it out. Don't don't you worry about that. I I I have the chops for that, and I I'll figure it out. Because the truth is, if it's playing naturally, I'm not going to want to cut away anyway. Yeah. If you're all doing your job, uh, I I will just enjoy this moment, this shot with what's going on, and I'll find a beat. Uh, my last film, like I'm intercutting, you know, certain shots, and I I have lines running in ways that you wouldn't see off the off in the edit but behind the scenes I'm like oh man that's a beautiful edit because people have no idea these are two entirely different takes that I'm splicing together uh because you know what I'm a good effing editor I I will yeah. figure out that uh now maybe I'm not a great sound mixer uh but I can edit the f out of sound and I will challenge anybody to to beat me on sound editing um, there you go. but yeah with leveling and mi- mixing mastering yeah I'm I'm dog poop uh that's okay I know my strengths <laughs> um but you know as an actor you really have to throw away what's on the page to a large extent in order to play the moment and I think Denzel is just a masterful actor because he knows exactly that. Like if you if you watch some some shots and some moments, uh he's adding lines. It might say, There's a shot in here that I always think about. Uh it's where Denzel just says good. And that's the whole line. And I bet on the on the page, it just says good. And for Denzel, it's like good. And he's chewing on it for a minute. He's thinking, good cut. Like the, the two things are happening there. One, Denzel isn't done with that scene. The other thing is the director is letting him have that space. He's letting him. He didn't, you know, cut. He's like, okay, we got our line. We got our dialogue cut. No. If you're a good director, you know, to let your actors have a moment. They'll put the button on it. Let the actor put the button on it. And if he doesn't, you can still cut. There's nothing preventing you from cutting earlier, but just see what else is there. And this is why I, I get so, uh, uh, direct about telling my actors, if you don't hear me say cut, you are not done. I yell cut. You don't don't ever cut yourself, you know, and I get, I get really frustrated when I see an actor break character because they thought, Oh, someone did something wrong. And therefore we need to do another take. Uh, No, if someone screws up, that's an opportunity. That's not, that's not wrecking the scene. That's a chance for you to show me that you're still in the moment. You're still in the scene. You're still playing the characters um, and I'm not done yet. Okay. They, they botched the line. How can I save them without breaking character? If you, if the only way for you to save your, your fellow scene member is to break character. Well, you're not doing your job. You know, your job sometimes is, is to be a writer right there in the moment. (laughs) And, you, and I mm. guarantee there's moments in this that are not scripted that are happening um, because two actors are in the room together and they're professionals and they refuse to break character. They're going to stay in it. It doesn't matter if someone said or did something dumb uh, and, and your instinct is to laugh as a human being. It, if it's not funny to your character, your character should not be laughing. Like, yeah, I guarantee. It's funny you say yeah. it's funny
0: you say that because the, I, I did hear that they it was hard to get them to stop being in character so they would yell cut and they would just keep going and so and 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 then um to get rolling again he would miss stuff they would keep going and he would yell he would go cut they would keep going and it'd be gold and he'd be like oh oh crap you know you know roll again roll again by the time they're rolling again he'd missed a bunch of stuff but then so it was was hard to get them to stop being in character wow so they they ad-libbed a lot you know wow I di- yeah i didn't know that that's yeah. that's really cool and the whole king kong ain't got shit on me you know that was that was all denzel it had to be right <laughs> like, it was it okay, was cool yeah. <laughs>
1: that's so dope like yeah Uh this movie really is just a master class in in writing directing performance editing sound editing um mm-hmm. like that there's a scene after uh what was it after the, the 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 car ride um they're in the car he says pull over on the highway and they're they're having this conversation in the car and i'm like this is all like adr but you wouldn't know it it's so well done that's some of the best adr i've seen and i'm not even 100% sure it is adr but just judging on the location i'm like there's no way they captured audio that clean maybe they did maybe you know the uh, they're just that good but i'm like but and and Ethan Hawke is over here kind of ad-libbing while Denzel is on the phone. Uh, he's like, man, anybody, somebody, I don't know Like that's, it's just not good business. Like he's just kind of talking to himself and you got to get in the booth and get back in that headspace and like nail the, these little ad-libs in an ADR. Yeah. That's gotta be just brutal. Um, but it's just, it's perfect. Um, yeah, it all coalesces amazingly well. Yeah. Uh, the other thing before I even get into notes like that, I guess uh, that strikes me is Denzel won an Oscar. He won Best Actor for this. And this was a great year because I think this is the same year, I'm pretty sure, that uh, Halle Berry won Best Actress. Uh, and they were, um, you know, that was I think that was the best black actress uh, award, you know, ever given in terms of we'd never seen another black woman get Best Actress uh, for an Oscar. Um, I think Sidney Poitier had gotten the best uh, actor, you know, for in the heat of the night back in 67, I think. And so this wasn't, I think this might've been like the second best actor that's gone to a uh, black man. And a lot of people were, and this is one of those things where, you know, sometimes you, you got to voice your concerns and I get it, but, People were kind of deriding it just because, you know, Denzel had to play a crooked cop, evil, you know, character in order to get it instead of for Malcolm X that he should have got in whatever, 93, 94. And yes, you're right. He probably should have got the. I don't know who won, so I don't want to completely say he should have won, but definitely deserved the nomination for Malcolm X probably should have got it because that's, he was absolutely amazing yet it's okay for him. He earned this one too. Like this wasn't uh, an achievement award that you've seen some other actors get where it's just like, Oh, he's been doing it for a lifetime. Let's just finally give him one. And the movie is almost, you know, doesn't matter. He earned it for this for sure. And to say otherwise completely, you know, removes his, his talent that he brings to this film. Uh, He deserves it because he was playing against character. Like Denzel had been to a certain point starting to play Denzel and to see him completely take on a completely new type of character and bring so much nuance and subtlety and uh, strength to it. Like he just killed it. And the other thing question that you would have to start to ask is uh, what would this film had looked like if it hadn't been Denzel. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an important point because if you had reversed it, if you'd made like Denzel the rookie, so to speak. Um, you have a black rookie and a white uh, then, or just two white cops, you know, uh, two white uh, narcotics cops. Then suddenly it, the the movie loses its, its meaning because now you start to read in some of these racial uh, tones. You know, you have a, a white cop going around checking all these uh, black drug dealers, people of color. Like you start reading too much racial animus into it. Instead of saying, this isn't about that. This is about the power. This is about cops themselves uh it's not about white and black and i love that there's even a moment when jake calls him out alonzo he's like is that what you're going to be teaching me he's watching two cops beat up uh, a suspect and he's like no, no that's rodney king you know shoot first take names last whatever you know kind of boys he's like no 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 dog. that's that's not what we're doing anymore that, that rodney king stuff is in the past uh this is new game you know and i'm going to teach you the new game uh, and so they're they're even kind of addressing the the racial aspect uh, very subtly by saying this isn't about that. This movie isn't about that at all. This is about something else. And so you really need to have either Denzel or some other uh, strong you know black actor playing this character in order to remove the racial aspect, so that you can actually talk about what this film is talking about, which is you know about power and and the power of police and how things go wrong uh and and you know the the leo world and how they get turned upside down um yeah and so
0: yeah initially samuel L. jackson was pinged yeah yeah but can you imagine can you imagine i mean like there's no wrong way I, you, can't, you can't you can't go yeah wrong. I'm, I'm just i'm just sitting here thinking and i'm like i'm like well that would probably that probably would have been amazing. He's an incredible actor. Absolutely. It would have been amazing, but how different would it yeah. have been? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because I think that as, as good as Samuel L. Jackson is at least lately, like in his kind of like maybe uh, older stuff, maybe not so much, or maybe just, you know, cause he's, he's done a lot of the Nick Fury stuff. I just feel mm-hmm. like a lot of lines are kind of throwaway in, in way. I don't think that he would have done that for this film. Uh, I think it would have been incredible, but just to your point or to your, your instructor's point or your teacher's point, just Denzel just choose on every single word. So well, That's such a great way to put it. I just can't even Samuel L. Jackson. I just cannot picture anyone else in this role other than Denzel. Yeah. And that says, I'm so glad that he won the Oscar for this. Cause that says so much, you know, if you, <clears throat> if you think of a role and someone who played it and you think there is literally anyone else would have changed it so much. Um, that i it would have been unrecognizable even someone as good as Samuel L Jackson then that's a that's a role for the ages man. yeah 100% yeah.
1: so i'll i'll look at a few things and we'll we'll see i don't know what what we make up uh one of the 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 story and the structure is kind of what draws my attention every time i watch this movie because like you said this is just a single day and it feels like months but it's laid out and structured the same exact way you would you would want it to be, which is funny because our first scene is waking up, starting the day. That's normally like death. That's poison to your film because it's such an old hat way of writing that you just do everything possible to not start with an alarm clock. Like that's that's ruinous. Um, and if you you write that today as a as an unknown writer uh, you're going to get wadded up and thrown in the before they make it to the second sentence. Like that's you're over yet. You have to start that. This is a, this is training day. um, And it's all about kind of charting the rise and fall um, of, of, you know, one day and everything that rises and falls along with it. So the structuring your day is really nice as a, as a way to outline your plot. And now, the way i write and i was talking with my producer cuz he's wanting to to help write a story and he was picking my brain about how do you write man where do you even begin and for me it's a lot of collecting ideas and then i just start bullet pointing like interesting things that i think help build the story and also would be interesting to watch as an audience member um, and if it's not one of those two things, I don't usually include it in my outline because everything else I can write, I fill into gaps. And so for this, it's like, okay, he's going to wake up and have breakfast with his wife, right? And we get to meet his beautiful wife and his beautiful newborn baby. Uh, oh, he has a lot to live for. Um, and a, a lot, a lot of reason to do well today, right? Don't screw this up. Um, we need that money. We need a nicer house and, uh, we got a baby to feed. And so they're just kind of building up a little bit of the stakes for this character. Like there's a reason he's out here trying to improve his lot in life. Um, it's he's fighting for something. And then we jump straight to the cafe. Right. And cinematography wise, this is where I I talk about the horizon line. Um, the, the general, and it's not hard. It, Again, everything's contextual. Normally, you know, you can look at a horizon line uh, as a good or a bad thing, which is if a character is beneath the horizon line, um, another way to say that would be the camera is looking down at them, right? That makes them powerless. And so the horizon is kind of squishing them down. It's killing them. Uh, They're underneath the world. Uh, They're being buried. You know, all of that kind of terminology fits. Uh, Whereas if you're above the horizon line, which is... Another way of saying the camera is looking up at you, right? You're powerful. You're towering over us. Um, you're you're on top of the world. All those kind of ideas. And so when we're in the cafe, the scene starts. Uh, they're both kind of even. They're both kind of sitting on the horizon line. Um, and so there's not. It's pretty neutral. Um, and then some shots, you know, they're both again. We're looking down at them. And uh, but as the scene starts to progress, and I love this scene as Hoyt is just struggling to keep his tongue silent. like he, He's just so antsy and he wants to make a good impression. And, and Alonzo's just trying to read the paper. Uh, and then as that scene progresses, Hoyt suddenly drops below the horizon line. We're watching him get squished. He's underneath and Alonzo is above. We're shooting up and look at him. He's towering over us and the power dynamics immediately come into play. Like, okay, Hoyt is not the man. Alonzo is. Uh, we feel him powerful. We feel... Hoyt powerless and that I want to say reverses at the end of the film when we get to uh, Alonzo you know not just getting killed but losing the power in in the street to Hoyt Uh, I want I forgot to double check but I'm pretty sure we start to reverse some of those roles a little bit but it Throughout the film, it's a bit of a tug of war. And it's not a hard rule because, it, again, it's all contextual. Uh, it's whenever we move into like that first uh, stop when they bust those those white college kids, right? Suddenly, Hoyt has his power back. Um, and then some of it's just based on this coverage that they're getting in the scene. And so you really have to pay attention to what are the dynamics, what are what's our location to see whether or not you know the power dynamic is at play or not. Because uh, sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're just getting a shot uh, from the backseat. And the only way to shoot that uh, is going to be by putting Hoyt in a power position. Uh, That's okay. And so the dynamics of the scene matter when you're talking about the horizon line in this movie. Uh, But sometimes they do, and you feel it. uh, Sometimes they don't. And uh, that's okay, too. And so structurally, going back to that, we go from the cafe to the first stop. And after that first stop, we see a smoke, uh, right? This is where we stop, and we're going to first... Hoyt to you know take take a drag, uh, then from there we go to meet Roger, um, from Roger we go to stop that rape in the alley, from the alley we go to uh, a car ride where we start to have this big breakdown. Kind of the thesis of the film, right? To catch a wolf you have to be a wolf, and that's the whole idea of this is why Alonzo's doing what he's doing supposedly, right? It's not self serving. This is what I have to do in order to make the difference in our community. And I love after he makes his big grand statement, he says something else. No matter what I say, man, you did the right thing. And what I love about this is when he says, when he's saying this, we can't see him. We're behind him. We're, we're shooting. We can almost see an eye, but we really just see the outline of his cheek, the back of his head. And I love that because as he's saying these things, It's reflecting that these days are long gone. This isn't who he is now. That's why we're not looking him in the eye when he's saying this. This is a memory. This is something behind him. It's just beautiful. It's a really beautiful shot and a way to to de-emphasize who he is as a character. Instead, make it a memory of him remembering what it's like to be like Jake and to have these principles. And so we move on from this scene to uh, the Snoop uh, bus sequence um, where they get a name, right? The Sandman. From this, we go straight to getting that fake warrant on Sandman's house, you know, uh, going in there, not finding any money. It's like, damn, you know, um, or maybe that's actually the money he uses uh, to, to pay the wise men, I think, is the, the real illusion uh, there. Because he's like, there was no money. Hey, you know, um, but in, in reality, he's using that the three wise men as for money. And then we go, yeah, to meet the, the three wise men, the lunch, right? He gets permission to take down Roger, buys the warrant with uh, the stolen money, and then we go to take Roger down, right? now this whole sequence has a bunch of little mini sequences, right? The rooftop prep where we meet the rest of the, the narc group, the bust in, they dig up the cash, they kill Roger. That's all a lot happening in there. Um, this one bullet point of, for me, that would be in my outline. Okay, now we're going to go take Roger down. And I break that into little minor sequences of the, the rooftop sequence, uh, the whole raid, the finding the cash killing roger which is a great i love that i love the casualness of how they murder roger um and roger's just sitting there waiting to see how it all plays out because he can't do anything and the way alonzo's talking about it you know you would think it's a we're, we're making a grocery run right we're just going to buy beer uh it's just like yeah just squeeze it get him, boom boom you know, uh, boom itself is a, a, like a repeated phrase throughout the entire movie. Everyone says it, not just Alonzo, but, uh, Roger says it too. Right. Yeah. And that, that little moment too brought something else to my attention. Uh, the naming convention is really interesting. There's some kind of religious tone that's being used uh, regarding police, right? You have the three wise men. Right, which is kind of this religious idea, and then you have Mark, Paul, and Jeff, which I think that's kind of the uh, the, the gospel according to Alonzo. Um, that's his. That's his. Uh, what do you call him? The apostles, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been too easy to call Jeff John. I feel like he was like, eh, I'm being a little on the nose, so I'm gonna I'm gonna turn him into something else. And then Alonzo himself, like wearing crosses he's got like two crosses on and even when he's shot at the end he kind of holds his arms out like jesus right lonzo the name itself means noble ready for battle um and so there's something going on in the name convention jake might be short for like jacob uh maybe the start of a whole new religion um and yeah i i can't quite put my finger on it. i'd have to watch it uh, uh maybe one or two more times to start really parsing where they're going with it. But I think it is kind of the gospel according to Alonzo. And um, he's this, you know, religious figure that needs to be uh, taken down. He's almost an antichrist uh, that needs to be dealt with in order to let something else rise in its place. And that's what Jake is here for. Jake is here to take him down and and make that choice to say that you don't have to be a, a wolf to take down a wolf. Uh, sometimes you just have to do what's right and it doesn't feel good, you know, and, and that's just what you have to do. It's making a really interesting case for how to, and I think that's the other important part of, uh, of the racial casting is that if who you're trying to reach in this film are cops and what you do is make a white man, the enemy, it's going to be harder to hear. You know, the people that you're trying to reach are probably not going to hear it quite as well as you want them to. Cause they're just going to see, oh, here it is. White people are evil again, you know, but if it's a black man, then it's not about that. Again, we get to focus on the message, which is there's a right way to, to enforce the law and there's a wrong way to, to do it. And right now we're doing it maybe the wrong way. And look, this young white man is helping to, to set things right. I think that makes the medicine a little easier to, to process. Yeah. And so from taking Roger down, we go to kill Jake. Right. This is its own bullet point. Right. And then Jake escapes. Right. We have the phone call with Letty, which I love that phone call is so good because we suddenly think, oh, my God, we have an out. This is a great this is one of the best scenes written in the last 20 years because you don't think there's any escape for Jake. And they buried his his um his machina so well. Mm-hmm. Um, his salvation is so well buried in that first act that you just don't see any way for him to get out of this um he's he's cuffed he's in a in a performance level i can't imagine it gets easier than having a gun in your face you're physically turned upside down uh you're being buried in this bathtub uh i believe ethan is really feeling like he's about to die (laughs) Uh,
0: i want to call out my favorite line he says in the entire movie is i have a little girl i that, that always sticks it's it's like other than king kong ain't got shit on me it always sticks with me. It's the first thing It's the because they mixed with the image and the way it's delivered, the pause, because he says, I have a little girl earlier. He, this is the second time he says the line, like they're putting him in the bathtub and he, and he's, he says he has a little girl it doesn't stop him or whatever. But the way that he says it and they cut to him and it's on his face. I have a little it's that pause of the way that he says that. It's just like I know this is the last thing I'm gonna ever say, and I've right. got to say it and and mean it, and it it, it just got to make him pause just for a second so that they can look at the look closer at the the wallet or or like you know call her or something call call his niece. It's it's those two lines are what stick with me when I think of this movie is King King Kong got you on me <laughs> and that I have a little girl. It's such. Like you can say that line so many different ways, right? Yeah. And you can mean it every mm-hmm. single way, but do you get that across, you know, what you need to get across through the screen? And I mean, it's also the combination of Beryl literally pressing up against his <laughs> yeah. cheek, pushing his head to the side, you know, while he's saying it, it's just fantastic. It's fantastic. So
1: and, and we suddenly, you know, he pulls out the, the wallet and we're like, oh yeah, the little girl. And he opens it, he's like, that's your cousin. Suddenly we feel like, oh yes, he's good. He's good. And the phone call, and what I love about the phone call is that she starts lying. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. What a great way to ramp the tension up, right? We have, we still have to earn the win. Like they're suddenly pulling this get out of jail free card out and you're like, okay. And then she's going to tell him, yeah. Oh no. Oh no. And now suddenly you feel like it's being ripped away from you uh, all over again. And he really has to earn that little win, and it 's such a good okay. the performance is good, the writing is good. intercutting phone calls like that you know is always a challenge to capture two performances separately on separate days they 're not shooting that uh, simulcast i highly doubt uh, i mean yeah. maybe, but uh, very unlikely and uh they all just it's so good because suddenly your heart
0: rate shoots right back up, <laughs> uh-huh, oh. and so you're it's playing with the audience, you're just like up and down and up and down, it's oh. so oh my gosh, it's so good, so good. I remember the first time I saw this i you know when I when Alonzo leaves and he finds out or we find out that Alonzo leaves because we are Jake, mm-hmm. and we find that out, I was like, what 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 just happened? And then it was, it wasn't until, you know, until Ethan really realized or Jake really realized that I realized it's amazing. And I don't know if it's just cause I'm stupid um, or, or I'm, you know, I like uh, am an easy lay when it comes to films and I just like lay back and take it. Um, but I just didn't realize it until he realized it. And then together it, it, it was, I I'll never forget that moment. Honestly, it's, first time watching it. Yeah.
1: It's one of the most intense experiences in a the theater. Like, yeah, it's just heart stopping. And structurally we go, we move right along to, from there, you know, Jake suddenly has blood in his eye, right? Um he goes to stop Alonzo. And at this point, all bets are off and underneath that, right. There's a lot that's happening, but it's from there. It's just really scene building on a, on an outline perspective. You're just, Okay, now Jake is going to go stop Alonzo. Um, And then from there, Alonzo dies. Cool. We We have our structure. And everything you need is right there in your outline. And from there, all you need to do is start writing and build out whatever you need for that scene to work. The cafe, what's going to happen? Okay, it's just about them together. Fine. We don't need like a waiter, right? We don't need to bring in a new character for that. In fact, bringing in a new character right there would undercut the scene. Okay, so we're just going to keep it them. Fine. Um, this first stop, we're not going to get to know any of these characters, right? Now we're we're still just exploring how Jake is surviving in this new world and we're going to get introduced to how this world works through a stop. Fine. We just have a bunch of white kids on the wrong side of town. We have them having the, the crap scared out of them. Cool. Now we're going to do a smoke scene. We still don't need anybody. Roger. Okay. Here's our, here's our, uh, our, our money man. Here's our bag man that we're going to kill later on. Let's introduce him. Let's, let's like this guy before we find out what he really is. Um This is just a guy from around the way. We don't know anything about him. He's just a buddy. Right. And we, we come to endear Roger uh before we find out after he's dead. Cause you want to kill him. You kind of want to make it hurt. We're still going to make it hurt because we still kind of like Roger. Then it's after the fact that we realize that, you know, Alonzo, the guy we were starting to hate is revealing everything like, oh, this guy was selling drugs to kids and like killing kids and doing whatever he was ruthless. We're not supposed to feel bad for that guy. Got it. Why do I still feel like crap? Uh, mm-hmm. it's because you liked him when he died <laughs> mm. and that feeling does not go away. And interesting, it all feels bad. And so just building out the outline, you're able to start filling in all the missing pieces. How do we get from A to Z? Um, well, you know, you just fill in one blank at a time and fill out what is the scene about?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How can I make it, uh, work for that purpose? Uh, and sometimes you need more, sometimes you don't. They didn't introduce all the narcotics group uh, at the cafe. It wasn't like, this is our roll call. This is what we're doing. And I'm calling the plays. No, we'll meet them when it's time uh, to take down Roger. Now we have a whole new batch of wild cards and it's just beautifully structured in a way that obviously leads one thing to the next. We do the fake warrant because we need the money for the wise men. And we don't know that until the wise men are done. It's like, everything you find out is one step too late. Mm -hmm. And that's with the intention of Lonzo being one step ahead. And so it's just really, really beautifully structured uh, in order to fit in to Alonzo's day. We're not fitting into Jake's day. We're like Jake. We're always a step behind everything else that's going on. Yeah. And so I, I love watching this movie for no other reason, just to get a better understanding of, How does the outlining process inform the way the story flows, the way the story works, and how can I apply that to another movie? Just because it works like this in this movie doesn't mean it doesn't work in completely unrelated films. Like uh, You could probably look at whatever Gladiator and still work out some bullet points of, yeah, these are the cool, interesting moments that we're going to experience along the way. I can fill in the gaps to get me from A to B later, but man, this is what makes a really interesting journey. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if this outline probably had like five other stops along the way that they were like, probably in the writing phase that says, yeah, we don't need it. We don't need it because it's mm-hmm. redundant or uh, because it, it takes a, it maybe makes it too complex for, for Alonzo. At the end of the day, we still need to feel that he's a corrupt cop. And if at any point you start to feel like he's not completely sold out corrupt, then him dying at the end suddenly doesn't feel justified yeah. yeah
0: and and if you comp- if you keep everything pretty simple and focused, then when it does get a little bit not complicated but a little bit more detailed then it's it's more impactful yeah like like how he dies at the end they they unload on the car well, we're not seeing him die, they just unload on the car and then so that could have been over it could have been it, but then he crawls out of the car and he's not dead and he's gasping for air, just like just like the guy, guilt was gasping for air. Come on, breathe dog, breathe, you know? Mm. And, and then they just, we, and then we see them unload on him uh, for a second time. And then we see him die. It co- It's way drawn out. Like yeah. it could have been very quick, Yeah, but no, it was very complex in that moment. And, but because everything was pretty, pretty, this happens, then this, then we learn this, then we learn this, and this person is introduced now. And you know, then it feels, it feels much more, like in, impactful I think you're right uh final thoughts man just uh, nothing I haven't said before <laughs> uh, just, <clears throat> one one thing that I would want to add which is kind of you know you were bringing up earlier is the whole you were talking at the beginning about you know adding adding more of yourself if you're not feeling you know if you're feeling like you don't know where to go right or if you're feeling like something is too much like something else and I think that that is such a great thing to say, but it's hard to do because it's hard to know what's you, hmm. you know, let's let's be honest, you know, we, we, we are incomplete beings and we try new things and we try to discover things about ourselves. We don't know. A lot of times we don't know about ourselves, even, you know, you or I might know more maybe than somebody else because we've explored that. But I think even even now, I can't tell you who I am, I can tell you what I lean towards I can tell you what I like and what I don't like, but that doesn't necessarily define me, right? And so I think that this movie is a great example of someone like Denzel Washington or Ethan Hawke or Antoine coming in and saying, I'm going to make this in the way that I want to make it. And when I hit a wall, I'm going to keep going, right? And and just, just like when I hit a wall with the script or with, with a, a scene, I'm just going to keep going and see what happens because when you take your brain out of the equation and you just do all of a sudden, that's you, right? You When you try to be more you or put in more you, you really just putting in your influences because you can't really get out of your own head because that's where your influences are. Your influences are like, are there. So if you just turn that off and you just be like how they made this movie, or it feels like they made this movie too, then Great things can can happen. And whether it's great to the world or not, it doesn't even matter. Great things to you, right? That's the thing. Like we're making art because we want to make it for us. And we want other people to like it. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, if that doesn't happen, you just make the, you go to mile 16. You know, so anyway, I just wanted to further that because yeah. I, I know I try to do that in my work uh, too. And sometimes I get, I get in my own head and, and I don't know how to be more me, you know? So
1: anyway, no, I love that. Yeah. At the end of the day, make it reflect you on some level because everyone will assume it's reflecting you anyway. <laughs> like- yeah, it's true. Oh my gosh. Great.
0: <laughs> Great point.
1: Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. nice. Um, though, What, uh, what are you, what are you going to recommend today?
0: So today, I'm not going to recommend a film. I haven't been able to watch a whole lot this past mm. week that I hadn't seen before. I watched Prisoners, and I, you know how I feel about that movie. It's Hugh Jackman's best performance to me, but um, I, I've already recommended that. So, what I want I want to recommend an album. I've been listening a lot to the new Taylor Swift record, uh, *Midnights*, and it is phenomenal. *Midnights* and *Folklore*—her last two albums—are just they're timeless they're so good and one of the reasons is uh i mean obviously i think she's genius i really do um but um if for no other reason genius because of the people she works with you guys who she picks so she worked with jack antonoff on both of these albums and uh, he has taken her or allowed her to go in a, a different direction who is he that ha- he was the guitarist for fun okay he plays, he plays, plays currently or whatever a good guitar in the band fun, but that was just kind of, you know, the first big thing that he did, but he also has his own solo career and stuff. He lives in New York and he's just, a, he's fantastic because he's a good example of a movie like this where, you know, you just kind of do things. You don't worry about how good it sounds. You don't worry about anything else, but the emotion and, the, and getting across a feeling or, or or a sentiment that that the artist is trying to make or that you want the, the listener to hear. He's freaking brilliant at that. And he brings that out of her. He did the, the Gaslighter, the, the, the last uh, Chicks album, did the whole album, and it's brilliant as well. Anyway, so I'm going to recommend uh, Midnight's uh, by Taylor Swift. It, it, I think it's the first album of, yeah, it's the first time any artist has had all of the top 10, all of the top 10 songs at one time. From the same record, not just not just from the same record, just ever. But at one point, every single song in the top 10 was Taylor Swift song. Holy crap. After this came out. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's it's really, really good record. Damn. I am
1: going to recommend I've been reading this book. Uh, It's a dangerous book. Um, So pick it Mm -hmm. up. at your at your own risk Um, by Robert Rodriguez. It's called Rebel Without a Crew. And if you haven't read it before, my God, it's. It is a meth, cocaine, adrenaline shot to your heart. Like if really? You, if you can read this book and not want to pick up your camera and go make your own movie and, you know, charge Hollywood, like you just don't have a pulse. <laughs> you, it's too late for you. Um, and it's it's so good. I'm only halfway through it. I'm only halfway through this, and I I just couldn't hold it back anymore. I read the first uh, couple chapters months ago, and I was like, man, I'm getting too gassed up. I got to put this down. Um, (laughs) True story. And then uh, I finished a few other books, and then uh, last week I picked it back up, and I just kept reading. And my God, uh, it's just so encouraging to read it, and I feel like my story is on the page, uh, reading it and just seeing what he went through the, the, the first, you know, whatever chapter is like him in a lab to, to raise money for his film. And that rings a bell. Like I've spent my time doing research studies and uh, like, even now I'm as a precaution selling like plasma just to make sure, you know, this, this year has been really wildly dry and, you know, ebbs and flows or what have you. Um, And I'm like, yeah. And then he starts, you know, making this film and just running into every obstacle you could run into. Uh and then he makes the film and like no one will buy it. No one will, you know, look at it. And it's just hard getting meetings. And I I don't want to like ruin everything if you haven't read the book. Yeah. But things obviously turned around for Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> and it's just uh one of these things where you're laughing. I've cried probably I don't know two or three times reading this thing. It's just wow. so good to see like, oh, he's getting a break. What's going to happen? Oh, he's, he's getting another break. Okay. Oh my God. Things are going crazy. Um, and just a, and it's a diary. Like It reads like he's logging every single day of this journey. And so it's not like you're hearing him tell the story after the fact. A lot of these entries, if not all of them, are told as it's happening. And he's just like, yeah uh we can't really oh. afford to eat you know three meals a day so right now we're just eating once a day and <laughs> we're just figuring it out
0: that's amazing
1: man it's just incredible because for me uh as, as we were talking about at the beginning of the episode about learning our lesson from french new wave and mumblecore like you're enough and if you just go for it if you really just you know go to work and just say what I have around me is enough to make uh, my reality, you know, happen from my dreams. Like it it really is like, and I've been struggling over, you know, the last, I don't know, six, I mean, year and a half, really, since I started writing my feature, I was like, man, I think we can just work with what we have and and make something good. Um, It won't be like the $5 million film that we all want to make, but I think we can take, you know, 50 grand and and make something real and, and make it good. And and I felt like I was having people kind of call me crazy and like, you don't know what you're doing. You know, uh, you, this isn't the way you do things. And uh, I was like, okay, am I crazy? I, I feel like we can do this, but everyone around me keeps doing things a certain way. And, um, people keep, you know, talking to me like there's, uh, only kind of one way to do things. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And I, a few months ago started saying, you know what, screw it. I'm going to do things my way. I don't care. I just don't care. And then, you know, to pick up this book, uh, my roommate is such a big fan of this book. He hasn't read it all either. Um, he was like, man, I'm telling you, you got to read this book. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to learn from Robert Rodriguez, but fine. Because taste wise, we just have really, really different tastes. Uh, and I love Desperado and I love Sin City. Um, and I really, you know, enjoyed Alita Battle Angel. And you can go listen to our episode on that. Um, but I was like, beyond that, I don't know that I have a lot of overlap with Rodriguez. And you pick up the book and you realize it doesn't matter. It really, yeah. it doesn't matter art is still art, you know? Uh, yeah. And so reading this book has just been life. It's been absolute life. Yeah. We can do things our way, man. And things, and it's good. Uh, and even this, the, the last couple of short films I've made, I've, I've reinforced that. We know what we're doing. Like, fine, we don't have the nice hundred foot dolly and, and, and grip crew to lay it out and second AC to, to do the perfect Focus pool while we're doing it, you know, but what we have is still enough to be great. Um, let's just go be great with whatever we have 10 grand, whatever. Yeah. And so I'm going to recommend that. Rebel without a crew. Uh, I suspect if you're an artist at all, it'll be encouraging. Um, but certainly if you're a filmmaker, uh, you'll, you'll, Kool-Aid man through every wall uh in front of you. And so amazing. Um, go do it. Um nice. And to that, we also have uh, an artist spotlight that's going to a young Robert Rodriguez. Uh it's a little short film he made called Bedhead. He made this right before El Mariachi. Um El, El Mariachi was his seven thousand dollar movie that he went out and made. And so Bedhead was he made and sent and he won like 13, 14 film festivals. Um, and was doing just really, really well. Um, and he was like, man, I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to go make a movie. Screw it. My teachers, all whoever classmates think I shouldn't be making this movie. Uh, and so I was like, man, what is bedhead? Let me go watch it. Cause he keeps referencing it in in the book. I was like, I'll go watch it. It's adorable. I mean, it's clear it had no budget, but it's also clear. He knew exactly what he was doing and he was making short films on VCR. Basically like he was, Mm -hmm. he was editing this thing on a VCR. He, he That's didn't, crazy. He didn't have premiere, <laughs> you know, he had a tape to tape, uh, deck that he was making his edits on, uh, with nothing with pennies, um, and using his siblings, uh, and, and mom and girlfriend as, as his cast, like just, absolutely amazing uh just just really no excuse
0: today (laughs) zero zero excuses today yeah yeah
1: so yeah check that out i'll embed it in the show notes and what do you think about this one for next week Um, i love it i was like uh todd's been on a tarantino kick and uh you know what maybe it's time to go and do the one well we're gonna go go look at pulp fiction so uh buckle up uh things are gonna get wild (laughs) Love it. <laughs> nice. If you're enjoying the show, uh, don't forget, job serve review. Leave us know if there's something you want us to talk about, the kind of things you find interesting. Uh, we have a Patreon. If you want to jump on that, I just did three episodes, three bonus episodes with uh, a friend of the show, Joe Howes, um, where we looked at seasons one, two, and three separately of the Orville. And so if you enjoy that show, that's on the bonus. I might actually release that on YouTube so that you can see the kind of things we're cooking up on the, on Patreon. Uh, and also because I just want to support that show. I'm hoping it gets a fourth season. I really, mm-hmm. I really want, but just really wonderful conversations. Um, and Heather joins us on, on the third episode to, to weigh in on the show. Um, and so if, if you want to hear some breakdowns of that and more, we have other stuff we're cooking up, you know, you can do that, uh, on our Patreon. And if you want to comment on this episode in particular,
0: you can do that at Training Day. And today's quote of the day is from Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Real change, enduring change, happens one step at a time. That's absolutely the next thing. Just keep doing the next. As as Anna says, just do the next right thing. Anna from Frozen. Sorry. I have a little girl. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> so good I mean if yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's funny because it works both ways um, the, you hear Alonzo describing exactly that yeah you know the way he got corrupted was basically one step at a time um, and the way he's advising Jake if he wants to change things and turn it all around he's gonna have to do it one step at a time too but I also appreciate that sometimes you just have to throw the the table upside down and say okay well maybe maybe but right now mm-hmm. this will not be one step at a time it's gonna be one big step and you're gonna pay the you're gonna pay the cost yeah I love it um, but at the end of the day yeah he he took care of Alonzo but he still has to go in and, and fix an entire police department and mm-hmm. that is not gonna happen overnight
0: no Definitely not. And um, yeah, I, I love this quote. I think that it's, it also keeps things in perspective because if you, if you just focus on the first 15% of something that you're trying to do, you get 85% of the way there. And I think that we get bogged down with the idea of I gotta change an entire police department. Well, hold on, what's the first step you're gonna take? That's the only thing that matters because if you don't do that right, then the second step won't be right. So if you focus on it too far down the road, it not only seems daunting, but you don't even know what you're supposed to do. So I love this quote for that. And and I, I try to I'm not always the best at it myself because I, I try to do a million things, you know, and change the world, too. But I try to keep something like that in perspective every day, you know, when I'm making decisions. So great quote there. Great quote. Love it man great episode love this uh, film hope hopefully you guys had a good a good time listening to us if there's anything that you'd like to comment we'd love to hear from you if there's a, a film that you'd like to hear us do uh, cover we'd love to hear from you as well um, make sure to subscribe review us all those things that Wes said it all matters and it's all it's all important to us and we'd love to hear from you so until next time I'm Todd I'm Wes go watch the movies